brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss, so become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. Almost surely have a plan There's clearly maybe something there Beyond the realm of man Until we've thoroughly tested Every last close-chested view Find the more you think you know Unless you really do Where would we be without THC? We know the lying to us Just don't know to what degree Where would we be without THC? Here we go, higher side chatters, hoisting the sails and setting course for another rocky ride through the rough waters of the vast conspiracy, trying to keep our heads above water despite the rising tides of polarization and the crashing waves of outrage. And I'd say, we're doing all right. Of course, the beasts of AI are off the leash and growing stronger every day. Big Pharma's addiction pipeline is getting way too crowded and clogged, and the multitude of problems we try to highlight are no closer to being solved. But hey, they say knowledge is power, and at least we have that. And if knowledge truly is power, then today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is the Superman of conspiratorial broadcasting. His name is Clyde Lewis, host of the ever-popular Ground Zero radio program, And he knows a lot about a lot, spending five hours a day, five days a week, live on the air, year after year, digesting and dissecting the latest high strangeness and covert ops. Hands down, my favorite host still sticking it to the power pyramid through the traditional tools of terrestrial radio, the king of the airwaves, rocker of the mic, and the golden voice of Ground Zero, Clyde. Welcome back to the higher side. Thank you so much for bringing me on. It's been a while, and I'm hoping that We have a great show today because it's been such a busy time and it's been such a, I guess, a confirmation process in a way. I mean, I like when I started about, I don't know, 23 years ago, nearly 25 years ago, everything was all speculation. Everything was all like, well, what if this and what if that? And now it's like it is happening. It's there. And it's obvious that it's there. It's just so many people are just not willing to see it or they're saying, oh, this is this is all made up. But it's not made up. It's reality. Our reality is changing ever so quickly no doubt and i appreciate you being here so much i know you are a super busy guy just with your demanding work schedule and it means a lot that you would use any of your extra time to come and talk to me it's hard to believe it has been three years since you were here yeah and the culture as you say it's radically different than it was then 
And I really got to commend you because so many shows have gotten caught up in Trump mania and really lost the magic that I think this genre is supposed to have. But I turn on Ground Zero and I'm put right back in my happy place, so to speak. I mean, you know, it's a give and a take because a lot of the things we're talking about are dark, but you're still talking about them and you're doing a great job despite everybody just kind of chasing after the latest Trump tweet and really the fringe shows, the fringe culture is really now just another flavor of mainstream culture, talking about the same stuff, and a lot of things are going under the radar, and I just think you're doing a good job. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and probably you've noticed too, because I know you research well and what you do, and I don't know if you've noticed, but lately, you know, doing any kind of research into paranormal or any kind of research dealing with such, you go to these clip services, I have clip services, I have websites I frequent, I have all these places I go to to try and get information. And what's interesting is that you just can't ignore, or they, they seem to want to push a political view. And it's always been the fine line that most conspiracy theorists or most conspiracy analysts or whatever you want to call yourselves, or even if you're a, an investigator into the paranormal, it's always been easy to open up and talk about various things that would be considered parapolitical. Now, it's like this oversaturation is happening. It's quite annoying, actually, because you're trying to you know, get away from it all, and it's hard sometimes. So what you have to do is you have to become analytical of the movements of the elite, the oligarchy. You have to be very cogent with regard to everything around you, because now the political is beginning to influence the paranormal. The political is beginning to influence the supernatural. The supernatural is there amongst the political. In fact, I just did a show last night about the MPC meme, which of course is a uh, meme that is spreading around the internet right now. And the truth about that meme is, is that it's using what I would call black magic. It's certainly a black magic meme because the image that the NPC, the non-player character, as they call them, what they do is they use this nondescript, sylph-like looking stick figure face, which looks like the homunculus, and they're using it to basically attack or at least make those on the left who continually recite a script look like a bunch of drones. And the truth is it's effective. And the reason why it's effective is because it's certainly mimetic triggers and things of that nature now are the new black magic on the internet. So what you've got is you've got people now practicing what most would consider alchemy to try and change the views of people. And it's just amazing to see all this transpire. I was floored by this. I had Chris Gio and Sheree Gio talking about this. There are another great group of personalities out there that are doing really hard work and doing some of the footwork. And believe me, I was astounded by what I was seeing because I don't think people realize that when you see things like this pop up, like I remember there was Momo a while back that would basically convince kids to commit suicide. It was the blue whale challenge, which got kids to commit suicide. And people were saying, well, how is something like that able to kill people? How's that able to get people to commit suicide? How are these so effective? Well, they just are. They're sigils and they're basically being powered up. And when these sigils are powered up, people tend to respond. They're like putting a meme out there or putting a tulpa out there or maybe even an egregore that basically serves its servitor. And these are old magic terminologies that, especially around Halloween, when we think of magic and we think of the veil lifting and we think of all these things, the idea of something like this that has been unleashed. I mean, Twitter actually had banned like 1,500 Twitter sites for using this symbol alone, this sigil. 
they say it's political reasons, but I mean, if they really were to dig deep, they would find it's not just the political that's mesmerizing and bizarre about this whole thing. It's the alchemy. It's the alchemical makeup. It's the numerology. It's all the stuff that people are using to mesmerize and actually either pester or otherwise harass using this type of magic. <laughs> Man, just going right down the rabbit hole. I love it. And you're absolutely right. We're constantly getting baited into party politics now in areas where we shouldn't. I had Donald Jeffries on. He made a great point about JFK researchers. You know, it's been decades since that. And JFK researchers historically have casted a lot of doubt on the alphabet agencies and their integrity. But yet now the way politics is being framed as Trump versus the deep state, you're getting these pe same people who used to doubt the alphabet agencies. Now they're like, on the side of them against the president. And it, we're all confused. And during the election cycle, we had the Keck stuff. And it's just like this president has been propelled to God or devil like status, depending on who you ask. But it is like a supernatural type of thing. And I got to wonder, are humans even driving this process online or is this something else? No, it's not. I would say that there's something about it that is diabolical. I always have said, in the past that most governments, or at least the societies, secret societies in what is now called the deep state, it's usually the shadow government or shadow, I call it the shadow command. Mm -hmm. You know, people tell me, oh, the deep state's an invention of Donald Trump. No, the deep state's been around for a long time. I mean, deep state is a term that's been picked up and embraced by, see, once again, another word that's charged, it's deep state, it's charged, but it's been picked up by the right wing. And so what happens is that we have people that are so afraid to expose the conspiracy for fear of damaging or otherwise ruining their reputation amongst their friends who are part of a political party. Political parties are stupid. I mean, joining a political party or being a part of a political party, in my opinion, is stupid. It's theater for the ugly. It always mm -hmm. has been. Corruption has always been widespread, no matter what party is involved. And so it's always been a conspiracy theory. It's basically, conspiracy theory is a deep state term anyway. It's a term created by the intelligence ops to kind of belittle, and it's used as a pejorative. But the truth is, is that it's probably the best form of critical thinking that we have right now. And so while they're telling us, well, you know, we give facts, and we give this, and we give that, no, what they're doing is they're giving emotionally charged opinion, and that emotionally charged opinion is said to be truth, and you start hearing people saying, well, I tell my truth. Well, no, truth is truth. Your truth could be very well crazy, <laughs> or your truth could very well be far from the mark. And it just irritates me when I hear people say, tell your truth. No, I'm not going to tell my truth. I'm going to try and tell the truth. <laughs> and if I haven't been giving the truth, at least I'm honestly trying to give you the truth. So the truth isn't out there. The truth is being manufactured. And most people don't realize that. They just try to follow whatever their cognitive bias tells them to follow. I agree. Great point. And it just seems like conspiracy has been mainstreamed in a way that it never was before. And if you go back maybe 10 or 15 years, maybe I thought that I kind of wanted this, but I absolutely don't now that it's actually manifested. And you talk to the public a lot more than I do, and you have for a lot longer than I have. Have these past two years felt different to you through the lens of actually communicating with the public, are they coming to you with different things? Is there a different flavor now than there used to be with interactions you're having on the air? Well, it used to be, I used to kind of sit back and I'd do my shows and I'd go, wow, that was a good show. Or I'd say, man, that's mind boggling. Or 
man, I really uh, revealed something to my audience. Now I think to myself, well, yeah, I revealed some of my audience. They were all pissed off at me for saying this, or a bunch of people wrote me and said I'm a snowflake here. They said I'm a liberal there. You know, it can't be, oh, you're just Clyde Lewis. It's, oh, you're a liberal or you're a conservative. My mom used to always tell me, she said, you know, labels are from cans of beans. Hmm. I get really aggravated when people try to figure out what I am politically because I kind of say to myself, well, why is it that you have to figure out who I am politically? Is that going to change your view about me? Is that going to... I mean, you feel I'm on your team. Great. No, I don't care about your freaking politics. In fact, I even send people that want to try and put me in a political box. I say to them, I say, you know, your politics are stupid. I mean, your politics are the reason why we have Antifa. Your politics are the reason why we have Proud Boys or, mm-hmm. or you know, Patriot Prayer or all these other groups. Your politics are the reason why you stand on the sidelines, basically cheering on the violence in the air of civil war. You have we're like one big happy family, or we're one happy family at one time. And then one day, you have a group of people that say, oh, we really love dad, but dad's a misogynist pig who likes to go and grab women by the you-know-what, and he basically is cheating on mom, but we don't care. And then, of course, you've got another group. Well, we've got mom over here who's an alcoholic who has a sense of entitlement, who basically is telling us that we should fight against dad. If we don't fight against dad, we're not loyal. The worst part is that the people who are behind dad are saying, oh, well, God loves dad. Hmm. You know, God is behind dad. And you're like, are you sick? Are you crazy? So it's like, okay, we're defending our alcoholic mother and our cheating father. And we're like thinking, well, we could have done better, but we haven't. And it doesn't matter because we're stuck with these two. And that's what makes me sick about the whole thing. And not only that, but the twisting of political rhetoric with regard to you know, what begins when and where things start and who's behind certain things like the deep state, of course, has been said to be an invention of Donald Trump when it really isn't. Or the birther movement is something that Donald Trump basically pushed and started when in reality it was Hillary Clinton that started it because she wanted to basically play dirty politics with Barack Obama back when she was running against him. And now I hear, I've saw somebody in Drudge Report, that she wants to run again. And I'm thinking, no, <laughs> no, can we please pull out of this paradigm? It's like we're not fighting over this and that. We need to open our minds and realize that, you know, we need to make better choices and we need to stop giving in to the brainwashing. And that's why I think this whole meme of the NPC is really important, because what that does is it's telling people, are you organic or are you a non-playing character? Are you a person who recites a script or are you a person who has originating ideas and thoughts? Do you express in art or music? Do you write? Do you speak? Or do you just follow the herd? And most people are content to following the herd. And that's the sad part, because conspiracy theory, in its essence, was to break the mold of following the herd and listening to alternative views and understanding that everything you see cannot easily be put in a box. And now people are okay with rigid thinking. They're okay with putting things in a box, just as long as it satisfies their ego and their emotional attachment to something that is nebulous and stupid. Mm. Amen. Great refreshing breakdown. I definitely share those feelings and frustrations. And one of the topics I wanted to get you here to talk about is space, because a lot of the time I do think some really interesting stuff is happening out there that we miss. Maybe there's too many flat earthers now, or maybe Trump really is just monopolizing that much attention. But one of the things we had happen recently was this sunspot observatory story I would think this would be at the top of the list that a lot of people would want to talk about, but I have not heard much about it outside of some random YouTube channels and, of course, Ground Zero. 
Probably the most provocative thing to have happened in a while, if you ask me. Can you walk us through what happened last month with this Sunspot Observatory? Well, yeah, the Sunspot Observatory was, of course, shut down, Sunspot New Mexico. And when that happened, it was an interesting move by the FBI. I mean, we had black helicopters and we had men in black. We had all the stories that are fit for cloak and dagger, real conspiracy theory happening. And what was interesting is that we were doing a show. And we talked about it. And I actually said, I said, if there's anybody out there that isn't afraid to open up and talk about what this is, please call the program and we want to hear it. It was kind of like I pulled an Art Bell open phone type of thing. And I don't normally do that, but I was very desperate in finding out information because I had a few conspiracy theories that had made my desk, like they were using the telescope array to basically spy on White Sands because White Sands was nearby. Then, of course, there was the UFO thing that maybe something in space was seen that we weren't supposed to see. But what was interesting is that at the time Sunspot was shut down, there was an anomaly that happened on the sun. And what it was is it was one of those coronal holes. It's where the sun cools in an area on the sun. It looks like there's a hole in the sun. It was massive, and it was sending out all kinds of charged particles. And what happened is it actually cracked. It was so intense that it cracked the magnetic field of the planet. So we were getting all these uh, particles oozing into the atmosphere. And this was the excuse they were saying, is that we got these charged particles coming from the sun going through the magnetic field. And no one was there to record it because SOHO was down. All these observatories was down. And New Mexico site, Sunspot, was down. And so, you know, I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. Something happened on the sun or something's going on in space. It's creating this mini Carrington event. And so while every person who claims to be a conspiracy theorist creates a theory and it goes viral on the Internet, we got a phone call. There's this caller who calls into our show occasionally. His name's Sam. That's what he calls himself. And he's this unknown 30-year DARPA guy who apparently, from what we understand, is signed back on to DARPA again. I guess he's doing this because he wants to get, I don't know how, being anonymous, and he has this warped voice that he plays over the phone when he talks to us. But apparently, I guess somebody got wind of what he was doing on the show, and they promoted him back into DARPA for some final stuff. But he said that what was going on is there was a project going on between Harp, Hammer, and Smack, he called them. Hammer and Smack, and and we were like thinking, we've never heard of Hammer and Smack, we've heard of Harp. And apparently, according to him, and this is our own exclusive report, according to him, what they were doing is they were using something that's used at CERN to try and extract dark matter, or at least try to use charged particles to find dark matter. And they accidentally cracked open the magnetic field, and they didn't want anybody to know about it. So apparently, the data for Hammer and Smack and Harp doing this experiment where they're actually taking charged particles. They're using it for weather warfare. He said, well, they're using it for weather warfare. They're basically trying to create storms. And we have a weather warfare thing going on where we have this hurricane, I guess it's Michael, that's heading towards the United States. But then there's an even bigger hurricane or typhoon or whatever it is heading for China. So while we were being attacked by a Chinese hurricane, we were using our technology to make an even bigger one to hit Hong Kong. And not only that, but there were six other storms that were forming because they were using such power. And so it was believable. And 
He's been on point many times, never lied to us. And so that's our story. I mean, we were saying they were using the Sunspot Observatory, and they saw how they were using the charged particles of the sun to create weather manipulation, and that's why they shut it down. And while that's the story we're sticking to, because we got it exclusively, and it's the most unique story we've got, everybody else can go about you know, saying it's aliens, go about this, go about that. But see, what's going on now is even more intriguing, because not only did Sunspot get shut down in early September, we have the Chandra X-ray telescope now in space. It's been shut down. It was shut down because of some sort of glitch. We have the Hubble Space Telescope that's shut down because of some sort of glitch. We have the Soyuz rocket that was supposed to go to the ISS that couldn't go into space because of a glitch. And then we have the report that YouTube two nights ago was shut down because somebody tried to post a video of something that was about to hit the moon, like some sort of an asteroid or some sort of a UFO. Or I've heard fleets of UFOs. I've heard rocketing the moon or whatever. But just a few days before that, Russians were actually monitoring a couple star clusters, and they were saying these star clusters look like an armada of UFOs. And so it's really intriguing about these stories that are coming out. And not only that, but they were saying that there were neutrinos that are being expelled from Antarctica, mm. which would indicate some sort of an alien signature, because it's kind of like when the Klingons are being tracked when they're cloaked. The Klingons are tracked by uh, the Enterprise, but the way they track it is through neutrino ex- expulsion, because that's the exhaust that comes out of the bird of prey. So this is the type of stuff that's coming out of Antarctica. And then just recently, they released some sounds from Antarctica that sound really creepy, like aliens or whatever. But they're saying, oh, that's just the shelf melting. That's just wind blowing and the shelf melting. No reason to panic. But yet we've had all these things go down since the sunspot incident. We've had all these glitches and all these problems with spacecraft. We've had reports of something flying over the moon or armadas or whatever. So a lot of people are wondering if this is the beginning of some sort of a invasion. But of course, you have all your people out there going, this is Blue Beam, this is Blue Beam. And I'm like laughing, thinking, no, it's not Blue Beam. I mean, I don't know why people are so hell-bent on thinking that the whole alien thing is fake. I always get into arguments with people about how they always say, well, these are demons. And I say, no, demons are spiritual beings. Aliens are biological beings. And even now they're thinking, a lot of scientists have come forward and they said that they think that the aliens are nothing more than synthetic. The ones that have been in contact with people, I mean, these are scientists saying this, saying, you know, the whole abduction stories and people being abducted by greys, or the greys are really robots. They're kind of synthetic AI. They're being sent down to monitor things, and the aliens wouldn't come here. They wouldn't come here directly. They would send their robots first, or their robots, I don't know what you call these, synthetic AI or whatever. And so that's believable. I mean, if science is really paying attention to this, I think that maybe there's something to it. And I think that we need to, you know, realize that we're living in times again. I mean, it's cliche to say the future is now, but it is now. It's down to the point where scientists are even considering some of the old stories saying that, yeah, there must be aliens of some kind, because something certainly is getting our attention. I remember when Oumuamua, the probe or whatever it was, they said it was a dead comet, but this thing came out of the sky, out of interstellar space, came out of interstellar space, came in and almost hit the planet, comes through, it's this thing, it's red, it's shaped like a spaceship, and it's, ah, it's not a spaceship, it's a comet. Then what happens, it does something very curious. It gets over towards Jupiter, and it just accelerates. It just takes off. And they're thinking, well, there's no gas coming out of it, so how did it take off? Well, maybe it's extraterrestrial. You know, that's the thing that is amazing about this stuff. It's all bizarre. Mm. 
Yes, and you just ran through most of the cliff notes on my first two pages here because these are really the finer points of what's going on above our heads that's interesting. And I've mm-hmm. had guests, of course, who talk about transhumanism and that the end goal is to create a complex vessel for some type of spiritual entity. Of course, a lot of people speculate the elite are in contact with something non-human at the top of the pyramid. There's a reason why they do these rituals. There's some kind of driving force. There's a reason why they care about Babylon so much, and they always are building these monuments and statues to the old gods or Prometheus or Moloch. And I think there's maybe a case there that this transhumanist thing, it's about merging man with machine and making us way more controllable on an individual basis rather than just big groups. But at the same time, maybe they are trying to make some kind of container for some kind of non-human consciousness. Are you open to that? Well, of course I am, because we know that scientists are looking at consciousness as the great mystery. I was just talking about that last night, the idea that panpsychism is another thing that scientists look into now. Talk about panpsychism, you're thinking about something very paranormal. You know, mm-hmm. the idea that everything has a consciousness, that's a very new age. That means the phone I'm on has a consciousness. It means the cup that has my coffee has a consciousness. I mean, it's just crazy. But scientists are looking into panpsychism. Scientists are looking into consciousness as quite possibly a really good illusion that a lot of the things we do, a lot of things that we see, are all agreed upon hallucinations. There's this mass hallucination going on. We all agree that it's reality. But I mean, once they remove the hallucination, you know, we'll be in this area where, you know, it'll be foreign and weird. And so, I mean, all of these things we see and touch and participate in are pretty much artificial intelligence, pretty much a show. It's like the Matrix. Mm-hmm. And... To go back to the sun a minute, you have a really impressive amount of knowledge about the sun and sun cycles. I hear you talking about it all the time. Other than the breaking of this magnetic field and this anomaly during the sunspot shutdown, it seems like maybe some of the sun's activities, if you broaden it out a little bit longer, have been quite abnormal. Is that true? I would say that the sun has been acting pretty abnormal, yes. I would say that, you know, while we're going through what a period of non-activity that every once in a while we have this activity that people panic about. And I think that, you know, they're not telling us, I mean, they just sent a probe to the sun. And so not telling us there's something going on with the sun. I mean, wouldn't it be horrible to hear that for billions of years, we have this light out there that's supposed to continue for another billion more. And really it's dying. And this would be the reason for all the problems on the planet just because the sun is dying and we're living in times where they're not going to tell us the truth that we have, you know, sunshine for a long period of time, probably have it for lifetimes, but what they won't tell us is the activity that'll be going on in the process. It'll become very violent. The earth itself will become very violent, like more violent than it is. And you can't just blame that on climate change. I mean, it's really a silly idea. I just hate the fact that every time something like this happens, where we have bad weather or something, it's always used as a footnote to climate change. And that really is irritating because what that does is it takes away the ability for people to study weather anomalies and geostorm anomalies and do so in such a way that isn't clouded by the whole discussion of whether or not it's climate change. Climate changes, there's no doubt, but what they've done is they've turned it into a bit of doublespeak where they're saying, well, don't you believe in climate change? Well, yeah, I believe in climate change, but I don't believe in the political technocratic term of climate change. I think if they wanted to be truthful, 
they would say it's about resource management. It's about resource depletion. It's not about the climate. It's about resource depletion. It's about a number of other things. And they need to be truthful about it. It's about geoengineering, laying down the chemtrails, messing with the atmosphere, using lasers to mess with the atmosphere, using direct energy weapons to mess with the earth. I mean, these are things that are happening that they won't report. And they're not really conspiracy theory. They're thrown into the conspiracy theory bin. But the reality is, if you research, you'll see that there's certainly precedent for understanding or at least trying to figure out if they are using laser weapons. The Michio Kaku, when he was on CBS a while back, had said they want to create lightning. That's what lasers are. Laser bolts are a form of lightning. They want to create a form of lightning in order to change the ionosphere, in order to change the jet stream. And that would be electromagnetic current going through the jet stream. And they already do that with harp and smack and hammer and all these other scalar wave weapons. And so this is what we're seeing. I mean, look, if they just moved the date to 2030 as to when we need to change for climate change. At first, it was it's within the next 10, 15 years. Now it's another 10, 15 years. They keep drawing the line and saying, we got to do this, we got to do this. Truth is, is, even if we did do all the things that they want us to do, and even if we paid out all the money in taxes and carbon credits, I mean, how is it that's going to miraculously change the course of climate? It's BS. It's not going to change the course of climate. Climate changes and climate does what it does. And, you know, sure, we may contribute a little bit to it, but there are other things that contribute to it. Volcanic eruptions contribute to it. Water in the air contributes to it. Electromagnetic current contributes to it. The idea of geoengineering with heavy metals contributes to it. The heavy metals coming out of chemtrails contribute to it. So there's so many things that are complicated here, but they want to simplify it by saying the greedy oil companies are the reason for this happening or the greedy blah, 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 whatever. We need to redistribute the wealth. It's nonsense. It's a political boondoggle. It's a football again where politics have stepped in. And once you mix science and politics, you get things like eugenics directives. You get things like reproductive laws. You get things like zero population and all this other nonsense that they want to push on everybody. If you look around you, you see it's pretty much part of the game. They're saying, well, you know, we need to reduce population and we need to do this, we need to do that. Hey, why don't we reduce the population to 500 million like it says on the Georgia Guidestone? <laughs> These people are psychopaths, and we're seeing that the psychopaths are winning, and people just continue to vote for them. They continue to put them in power. So once again, back to the political again, it's like you're buying your own conspiracy ticket. You love the conspiracy enough to vote for the conspiracy and the conspiracy doesn't care. It's not red state. It's not blue state. It's the state versus you. It's always been the state versus you. Mm. Cheers to that. And all we can really do is try to parse out the agendas by dissecting the things that they're putting their energy into. That's what's so interesting because obviously they're not telling us. So we have to speculate a little bit just by seeing what they're doing. And to revisit the sunspot thing, for people who weren't totally familiar with that story, this observatory is kind of one of a kind for sunspot activity observation. It's not like there's a ton of facilities that would capture something if this were to be down. And one thing Sam said that I really liked, your caller, was he mentioned that, of course, it is part of this network, but that it was actually hacked. And that makes some sense because why would the FBI come down and get involved in raiding this thing. Of course, the cover story was that some janitor was looking at child porn. Well, you don't evacuate people, shut down the local post office, and do all this stuff because of child porn. But of course, if this is a giant facility manipulating 
the space weather, the Earth's weather, the sun, then if it was hacked, the FBI would definitely come down and try to see exactly what's going on in that case. There's a lot of reports that people were messing with antennas, that they had hazmat suits on. So yeah, we have these super weapons that most people are completely ignorant of. And if other countries were to get wind of them, other cabals, and you hack into one, well, there you go. You know, possibly that is what happened there. Well, they have them. China is one of the countries that admit that they have weather control. and They have all these other things to utilize the sun. And I just think that people need to pay attention to other things other than politics. I swear to God, you know, if I had to hear one more story about Brett Kavanaugh and <laughs> Dr. Ford, I was just going to lose my mind. And that brings us back to another paranormal aspect. I mean, I was talking about this. I was on tour with a number of other personalities. And it was funny because we were talking about the Kavanaugh situation. And I said, Somebody asked me, he says, what do you think about that? And I said, well, you know, I have an approach that not the other hosts will have. They're going to be doing this, he said, she said. But I said, isn't it interesting that on the Washington Mall, they erected a 3D replica of the Arch of Baal, which is the horn god that represents everything lascivious and lewd, anything from sexual peccadilloes, sexual misconduct, perverted sexual nature, and also the killing of babies. And I said that they used to sacrifice babies to this horn god. They called it Moloch. They called it Baal. And I said, and there it is, sitting in Washington, D.C. And on the day after this thing was erected to the god Baal, and it was erected in Washington, D.C., we have a hearing where this guy wants to be a Supreme Court justice. And all they're talking about is how, basically asking questions about whether or not he was having sex or he was having these sexual games with people like Dr. Ford and others. And the first thing that came out of the mouth, a guy named, his name Sheldon Whitehouse, he was a senator. He said to Kavanaugh, he says, isn't it true that you and your friends pulled what is called a devil's triangle? Mm. And I was going, wow, right off the bat, devil's triangle, which is, of course, is a threesome sex act. Right. And I went, wow, here we go. It's all about sexual misconduct, sexual promiscuity. And what was the chief reason why they didn't want Kavanaugh in power was because he said something about abortion, and he said that he would regress or return or reverse Roe v. Wade. And I'm like shaking my head going, that's exactly what the horn god bails about, sexual perversion and the killing of babies. And that's what they were talking about in Washington, D.C. when that monument went up. Now, this is a very powerful form of witchcraft and sorcery and it's going on now and people who don't believe in that sort of thing will say they'll write it off as nonsense but i mean if you really 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 want to think it's nonsense just take a look what's going on on the internet take a look what's going on everywhere people are mesmerized and hypnotized to believe in things or to say things they never said before and a perfect example here in oregon where i live We've made the news because of Antifa basically taking over our streets and our mayor just basically sitting back and letting it happen. Well, there's this video that was going around of a man who was in his car who was accosted by Antifa because they were blocking traffic and directing traffic, and the guy refused to turn. So this white guy comes up to him and says, you look like a whitey. You look like a whitey, a whitey, hater, racist, Nazi, whatever. Here's this white guy saying this to another white guy. You look like a whitey. No sooner did we hear that in that video 
Kanye West goes to the White House, and he basically is there with Donald Trump. And so Don Lemon on CNN has this group of nondescript faces. And one of the guys that's on there is this black guy. And he says, Kanye acted as though he was a N-word that learned how to read. This is what you get when you have an N-word that learns how to read. And I went, what? <laughs> this black man made a racist statement. If a white guy was to say this, it would probably be the worst thing ever. But it's a black man saying this about another black man. So you have a white man in Portland, Oregon, telling a guy he's a whitey. And then you have a black man calling another black man out as this is what you get when you have an N-word who learns to read. And it just floored me. And so this is an example of magic. It's, a, it's an example of witchcraft, in my opinion. A special kind of witchcraft, not the types being practiced by Wiccans who love trees and the feminine power. No, this is something far more hideous and far more dark. And we're seeing it before our eyes right now. And if you can't see it, then I don't know what to tell you. But this is really terrifying to see how this is going on. Right. There's that esoteric context that you're so good at pulling out. And those are the angles that I'm most interested in. It's almost as if not only is the AI getting us riled up online by saying charged, triggering, provocative things, but also people on television, these talking heads are being instructed to say just those same types of things. And man, it is kind of weird that since we last talked that one of the biggest dust-ups was Pizzagate. I mean, this child trafficking story, and we have these church scandals, like that used to be, at least for a time, the bottom of the rabbit hole, child trafficking amongst the elite. Mm -hmm. And they took that, mainstreamed it, lampooned the whole thing. There's an alchemical act for you. You take the darkest of dark secrets, throw it into the front of the culture, and then just laugh at it. Yeah, well, and not only that, but they tend to actually... They try to diminutize exactly what's happening, too. I remember back when they were separating families at the borders. And I went on the air and I said something to the effect. I said, well, I don't believe that we should separate families. And immediately people were attacking me saying, how dare you? I bet you're for the opening of borders and, and all this other stuff. And I said, no, my record is, and it's been the record for a long time. I believe we need to secure our borders. We need to have them secure. And I believe that we need a better vetting process for people who are legal. And I said, it should have been done immediately after 9-11, but for some reason it just got worse. But it was funny because where I came from, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, the idea of family values was something very pervasive because of Mormonism. So I was led to believe that families are important, they're an important unit, and they need to be kept together, so I said so. But see, that's a conservative value, I believe, the idea of keeping families together. The minute I said this, Every conservative attacked me saying, how dare you? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you a person who claims to be conservative telling me that families don't mean anything because of the color of their skin or their immigration status or whatever? Families are important. So no, I mean, they left behind their values and they kill their values for the sake of politics. And if that's the case, if you're going to basically lay down your morality or destroy your morality for the sake of politics, this world is turning into an evil place, and it's in the hands of the devil. The devil has his hands. The devil has laid his hand. And the people can say, that's not true. But once again, you hear that old axiom, 
the biggest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. You know, he's trying to convince everyone, oh, that's not me. That's not what's going on. But it is the devil. It's the devil in many forms. It's Baal. It's a number of other demons that they're using in movies now. They're not using, there was a movie out called Hereditary. And they had a demon they used called Paimon. Nobody knows who Paimon is. They don't know Paimon? Never heard of Paimon. Well, Paimon's a, a Mesopotamian jinn who grants wishes, and he's kind of a demonic jinn. But see, they don't know that. So there's nothing more scary than having a place haunted or a movie that demonstrates another demon. I mean, when you say this is an arch to Baal, nobody knows who Baal is. All they know is Satan. That's all they know. Well, you know what? Grow up. There are more demons out there now that they're unleashing. And not all of them can be cured or thrown away by holding your hand to the square and saying, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. It doesn't work anymore. I mean, some of them, yeah. It's like Jesus is like the antibiotic for all demons. But, you know, there's some demons that are resistant to this. And it's because they're older and they exist in other times, and other religions have created them. The jinn, the other characters that are out there that are these demons. I mean, Pazuzu was a popular one, a bunch of others. And people don't know they're demons, and I don't expect them to. But when you try to tell people that this is the way it is, they say, oh, no, it's not that way. This is the way it is. No, 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 no. No preacher, not very many of them anyway, have the ability to tell their flocks that, hey, there's something a lot darker, a lot deeper and scarier than just a Satan. I mean, Satan's nothing compared to these other demons. That's why they call them chief demons, is because they're terrifying. They do things and they don't listen. They don't listen to the call of God. They don't answer to anything but themselves. They're arrogant. It's like the vampires can now appear in sunlight. Sunlight doesn't bother them anymore. Vampires can walk into churches without problems anymore. Why? Because the order of heaven and the order of hell have changed. Heaven and hell are not in sync anymore. They're out of sync. And that's why things are the way they are. Everything's been toppled. Everything's been changed. Something has changed the rules of the game. And with the game being changed, you have to get yourself into the game and be that game or manipulate the game back in your favor. But people don't realize that. They think everything's the same old, same old every day. No, you're right. You've been right all along. Things have changed. They're not the same. It's been a period of time, we say maybe two or three years, but I think it's longer than that. I think it's been a period of time to change the rules. And this is why we have Mandela effects and we have faulty recall and we have all these things is because the rules have been changed. Things are different now. They are really different now. Yeah, man. I really agree with you because we do have rules and a well-mapped out blueprint to our reality, but it's just not taught to the common man. So without seeking out that kind of information, you just have no context for it. But when you look at what the elite are doing, it's clear they have some kind of secret religion. You know, it's not atheism. It's not plain vanilla Christianity. And they definitely don't share that information with us. But we get glimpses of it sometimes, like in the case you mentioned with the Baal statue. These things happen all the time, but I'm still a bit fuzzy on the wider effects. Because if they are releasing demons, I think some people visualize a Hollywood-style Eye of Sauron entity swirling around in the sky, some big, epic thing, but it's probably a lot more subtle or a lot less obvious or easy to identify, which kind of makes it scary because I can't tell how far along they are or if they've already been successful or if we have things out there now that can't be put back in the box. What are your thoughts on the status and the effects of this aspect of the agenda? Well, let me tell you, for the longest time, 
Traditional Satanism has misled people into thinking that it's all about an archetype. And that's true. I mean, it's an archetype. I mean, the Levian Satanism or the Church of Satan Satanism has all been about archetypes. It's not something that they praise. Satan is not something they praise. It's just an archetype to irritate people because they're mostly atheists and nihilists and hedonistic. But right now we have a new thing. It's called theistic Satanism. It's spiritual Satanism, which is basically religious beliefs that consider Satan as an objectively existing supernatural being or a force worthy of worship. So when we look at it, it's been obscured by all these groups that have been considered devil worshipers who say that they're not. And most theistic Satanist religions exist as new ideologies because they weren't around. So you have these people who worship Satan as a spiritual entity rather than an icon. And so when you look at the concepts based on pieces of all these diverse conceptions of the devil, whether it be Asmodeus or whether it be Pazuzu or Baal or whatever, we're dealing with dark pagan left-hand path, black magic, and occult traditions. And it's basically, truthfully, anti-Christian or anti-Abrahamic religion ideas, the religious ideas in the Abrahamic religions. And so it's definitely the inverse of these religions, inverse of Christianity, totally inverse or the reverse of Christianity. You know, they can be reverse Christians, if you want to call them that, or they can be reverse Jews, or they can be reversed Muslims. But it's a stricter interpretation of Satan. It's a stricter interpretation of the Satan in the Christian Bible. And, of course, there's many factions of theistic Satanists, but we tend to figure out or tend to worry or not know enough about these powers. And so what we have is we have a divergent form of Christianity. We have a heresy or we have heretical or apostasy type of activity. And so, in fact, if you read the Bible, there is several parts in the Bible, especially I think it's Paul who said something to the extent where he said that what's going to happen is there's going to be a great apostasy and you'll be seeing the darker orders assemble, mostly the darker orders of the dragon or founders of the dragon or founders of Saturn worship or, you know, all these other theistic approaches to Luciferianism. So these are the powers that they draw from. It's a synarchy of sorts. It's a divine power that they see as a divine power. It's the dark side, the very thing that we read about in like, Star Wars or whatever, but it's definitely drawing from the Luciferian values, what began in the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And the conception is certainly Baphomet, which of course is now being showing up the public square, like in Arkansas and uh, in other places. And so they are putting themselves in a position where they are just as recognized as a religion as Christianity or Judaism or any other religion. So we have a very powerful pact between various groups, various powerful individuals and the devil. And so you're dealing with something like Remorium Verum, or we have the Grimoires and the others, the, the Black Masses. And back in the day, you had the Catholics with their Malus Maleficarum, which is the witch book or the witch hunters. Not only were the Catholic fathers in the ancient times chasing after witches, but they were also chasing after real vampires and real werewolves. 
And it's not the werewolves you see Lon Chaney turn into. It's a werewolf where people are actually possessed by this wolf type of mentality, this wolf spirit, where they become cannibals. I mean, that's the true meaning of the werewolf, is the cannibalistic nature of the werewolf and the vampire only wanted the blood of the innocent, the blood of the virtuous, but the vampire wanted the flesh of both women and children. And so we have vampires and we have werewolves among us and we have a few witches too, but they're not these pagan witches, but they're witches that are delving deep into the sinister and most darkest powers that exist right now. <laughs> well, I didn't know this was going to be my Halloween show, but here we go. <laughs> well, I mean, everything's Halloween and April Fool's Day on my end, but uh, that's, that's another story. Yes. Well, I like what you're saying, but that is kind of where my wires get crossed because the Abrahamic religions have caused so much damage too. And I don't find a lot of altruism on either side of that paradigm, but I am pretty convinced that it's an important subtext to world events that we cannot ignore. There's a real spirituality to things that is factored in and a lot of people are just ignorant of it. And some people have said to me that demons can manifest in ways that of course would not necessarily be obvious. And one of those could be as a catalyst for or a disease itself. And I know that you had a recent show about a new rare disease outbreak that's not exactly like polio, but it's an aterovirus, I believe it was called, AFM, I think. AFM enterovirus. But see, enteroviruses, they make them sound so rare, but they happen all the time. But this is a strange one because it starts out as like a cough or cold and sort of a flu, and then all of a sudden you see your kids not able to move. They become paralyzed. And so that's the scary part of it is that now we have diseases that manipulate and they mutate. And when they do, people you know end up with the flu, but they end up dying of pneumonia. Or they get the flu, they end up dying of some polio or encephalitis or something like that. So, you know, there's obviously... These diseases were probably made in rogue labs somewhere and just released into the populace. And, you know, any lab could be responsible for making these things. And people don't know that there's that underbelly of underground sabotage and attack. It's been going on for a long time now. And, you know, it's not that we want everybody to be paranoid, but there are a minority of groups that really just want to watch the world burn. They just want to see people die. And that's the unhappy reality. That's true. And in this situation, I think there was something like 60 cases of this disease, but they were in 22 different states. And that's weird because you'd expect outbreaks to be in a concentrated pocket. But in this case, it almost seems like something was seeded across the country. Right. They call that a gain of function exercise where they actually do a trial run of some disease to see how it affects people. And then they provide the antidote later. Mm. But they do this just to test how it will work on the public. They did that in San Francisco back in the 50s. They actually released a disease through the fog in San Francisco, and people got it. It was a rash, and it was very crippling. But they were able to determine that, yes, San Francisco would be an excellent port, an excellent area for any kind of chemical or biological attack. And people say, well, why would a government do that? Well, here's another example. You know, they were testing nuclear weapons you know, in the areas of Nevada and St. George, Utah, and places like that, which created downwinders, people who for generations now have been more prone to cancers. I mean, I'm one of those guys because my mother and her family lived in Cedar City in St. George area, Hurricane area, Utah, 
and they were subjected to the fallout from the tests that were conducted in Nevada because the wind would blow it all over there. And so many people on my mother's side of the family died of cancer. My mother died of cancer. I've had a battle with cancer at least three times on my kidneys, and I've survived it. But, you know, it's always that idea that you have that cloud of doubt over your head because there's some testing that the government did, and they all did it for the safety of the United States. That's why they did it. But no, it's the illusion of safety. We're always given the illusion of safety. There's not really anything that's foolproof. But people do things thinking, oh, this is going to help, like the TSA at airports. This gives you the illusion of safety. Anything could go wrong. Anything you get through the security, there's no real safety. I mean, people are vulnerable every day. You're vulnerable the minute you take that walk out the door. Nothing is truly safe, but they give you the illusion of safety because they want to make sure that they can take away your rights and they can take away all kinds of other things just in the name of safety. Mm-hmm. Troubled times indeed. And as we start pulling this thing together, I did kind of want to ask you about geopolitics because there are many moving pieces on the chessboard. It does seem like some things are going a different direction than they were going a few years ago. What out there on the global motion picture stage show has really got your attention and your focus? With regard to geopolitics, I would say the, the hidden agenda of creating scarcity, the hidden agenda of creating famine, telling us that certain resources are not going to be around and they're going to be able to control these resources. This leads us to the idea that eventually the men with the guns and the men with the power are going to be running the show. They're going to be distributing the food, the water, and the pain medications. And I've always said the secret to success for a civilization is if they have good food, nutritious food, if they have clean water to drink, and if they're out of pain. And those are the three things that they're going to be controlling. Otherwise, they're going to be controlling the air. But I have a feeling they're going to have a hard time containing and controlling air but they certainly have a way to control resources, vital resources that keep people alive, you know, because they can dictate where the food comes from. They can dictate where the water comes from. We're talking pure water, not contaminated water with fluoride or any other chemicals. We're talking pure water to edify the body. We're talking about nutritious food to keep people healthy, which, of course, we're failing at. And then the idea of pain and how to get rid of pain, whether it be emotional pain, existential pain or physical pain. And they certainly know how to inflict it, but they don't know how to take it away. And the reason why is because pain is a great motivator. Pain is a great controller. And pain is what is king now. Pain is the new God. People want to be out of pain. So that all ties together with the opiate crisis. That all ties together with the processes of food and water is always what is known as the resource that everybody wants and has. And of course, they're saying that, you know, with climate change, we're going to lose all that water. So those three elements are what are at stake to continue our lives. And if we're not going to continue our lives using food, water to keep people out of pain, the best way to change everything is to render us extinct by making us all machines. It's all this vicious circle that they've decided to create and people are aren't aware of how fragile and the fragility of their lives and their spiritual nature are. And we need to be stronger for it and look into it and try to eradicate it before we allow the oligarchs to take over and to keep us from having those resources we truly need and want for survival. Mm. Well said. Yes, it is all really about pain avoidance in a world that is just full of it. I also think softening of people and our endurance for 
difficulty has really been diminished as well. So it kind of is like we're getting hit on both sides. There's just so many concerns at this place in the timeline, but man, I can't keep you here forever, unfortunately. But again, you're doing great stuff with Ground Zero. All these strange stories about space, following the trajectory of transhumanism, talking about the impact of AI, the creation of super viruses. These are the things we should be talking about if we could just get over the party politics, the race baiting, the less than presidential tweets. So, you know, kudos to you for sticking to your guns. Remind the people of the ways in which they can catch Ground Zero and anything else you might want to plug before we call it in. Well, once again, my book is available at Amazon.com. The Transhumanist book is doing very well. I also have a remarkable book on geoengineering that's selling really well. Of course, we have books on UFOs and we have books on other things that are esoteric. Those books are available too. Those are my older copies of books. People are still buying those. At the moment, though, the hot sellers are the transhumanist book and also the book that deals with geoengineering. I would highly encourage you to get these books. They're very informative. They are detailed. They're not the same old, same old. I don't write like the same old, same old. You'll be getting a lot of inspiration from it. If you want to listen to the program, there are several places to go. There's listentogroundzero.com, listentogroundzero.com. There's talkstreamlive.com. You'll be able to find the Ground Zero show there. We also have archives available at soundcloud.com slash groundzeromedia. That's soundcloud.com slash groundzeromedia. We take five hours of program, condense it down to three with limited commercial interruptions. You'll be able to do that. Also, we have all kinds of cool things like T-shirts and mugs and things available at the Ground Zero store. That's groundzerostore.org. And be looking forward to another Ground Zero project that will be released within the next month. We're working on a project called Ground Zero Aftermath, which will be a complete nexus lexus of everything Ground Zero, including a cryptome library and an email that's sent where I help you research some of the topics that are on Ground Zero. And I just announced it on your show. Okay, mm. so no one knows about it, not even my listeners. So all your listeners are hearing about the new Ground Zero research site that will be put together. We're hopefully to launch it next month. We're working on trying to get a well-stocked library of documents and research. And I send out emails twice a week to give you information on how you can better research the stories we cover on Ground Zero. And that will be coming up in November. So it's going to be a great thing for everybody. Wow. Yes, that's very creative. You know, we talk so much about the internet being this military intelligence tool that's used against us, and it is, but it's also a tool that we could use. And instead of just kind of complaining about how the sky is falling on us, we should, while we can, twist it and use it for our own benefit. So that's great. And in terms of the show, you're doing an excellent job of bridging the gap between traditional radio and the podcasting evolution. I think much better than other shows that people would be familiar with, but this has been a lot of fun. You are a gentleman and a scholar, the master of your domain, and a champion of the people. Thanks again, and take care of yourself out there. Thank you. You have a great time. And, and once again, my love to all your listeners and all the listeners that I share with you. Thank you so much. Mm, likewise. Take care, man. All right. Higher side chatters, the legendary Clyde Lewis, doing what a Clyde Lewis does best. I got a lot of respect for him and his taxing schedule and his talent to be able to keep up with it all. And as I sort of said in the beginning, the real catalyst for getting him on was some of these space-related stories, and I wanted to hit them all in one show, and we did that, even though it was pretty quick. But the Sunspot Observatory story is pretty weird. Shutting down the observatory, 
having an evacuation, closing the post office, and then saying it was just because some janitor was looking at child porn? Eh, I don't know. Something very weird happened there. I mean, as he said, it was more than just sunspot. Several eyes on the sky went down at the same time. But he mentioned a massive coronal hole in the sun, and we've had a lot of guests that feel like the sun is maybe different from what we think it is. Neil Kramer, he talked about his meditation and astral projection examinations of the sun, and he considers it to be some type of portal that beings come in and out of. Well, maybe it is, and maybe it briefly opened and they tried to keep as many eyes off it as they could, assuming some they knew about it in advance. I'm open to that. Then we had the neutrinos being expelled from Antarctica story. Well, clearly that's a detection of the inner sun, but not everyone's clued into the hollow earth truth. <laughs> you also heard that quick mention of Russian scientists observing colliding stars, but actually wondering if it might be a spaceship armada headed our way. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Of course, there isn't much more to say than just that sentence, but it's worth filing away in the fringe stuff bin, because apparently they're asking that question pretty openly in Russian media. So overall, this was, to me, a great blend of wild, provocative stories, which I think we all like. It is why we're here. But also, the beginning of the show was important to me, because I want to align with people in this community that avoid the party politics, stay true to the alternative, but have some intellectual honesty, like have some level of reason to the stuff they're looking at. It's a fine line. It might even sound like an oxymoron to some people, rational conspiracy researcher, whatever. I might not be able to define the particular flavor that I like. All I can do is present it to you and highlight it when it comes out in a way that I like. No two people agree on everything, but as conspiracy culture drifts to all these new places, the Earth is flat, the President is our hero, QAnon, sphere-being alliances, there's just a lot of very popular conspiratorial sagas that I'm not feeling. And I thought the start of this talk with Clyde was a good reaffirming of where in the soup I want to be. Look, we'll talk about anything here. The wildest of the wild. Sure, let's do it. But I think the last two years have really jumped the shark for conspiracy culture, which is saying a lot. But I do love that phrase. And if you don't know, it's a phrase that comes from an old Happy Days episode where the plot line is that Fonzie is going to jump over a shark on his motorcycle. Well, that's pretty ridiculous and outside of the box of what Happy Days was about. And just by having that one episode, it sort of deflated what people enjoyed about the show. We all know that. I think we've seen ridiculous sequels to movies or remakes to movies that actually hurt the enjoyment of the original. That's kind of how I've felt about what's been popular. I've looked in the mirror. And I would put something like the QAnon stuff in our conspiratorial jump the shark moment box. And I will probably do a show, at least one, about anything that pops up in conspiracy culture. That's what this is, an aggregate. But there are still things that resonate with me and things that don't. Yes, I know conspiracy has always had a level of insanity to it. I love that. I'm here to preserve that. <laughs> We've always had whistleblowers and charlatans and all that stuff, but I never saw them as the leaders of the community. 
like they are now. I feel like they've elbowed their way to the front. Like, let's take a classic conspiratorial example of a pretty out there thing, like saying Hillary Clinton is a lizard person with Kuru. On one level, it's probably not true, but I'm actually open to it because fuck her. (laughs) I don't really mind going too far in our criticisms of career criminal politicians. I don't mind that at all. I mind the conspiracy community rallying around the president because that's a bait and switch like I've never seen. And I think it's harmful. Sorry, I don't mean to talk Trump and Hillary still two years in like every other asshole out there. And maybe I don't want to give specifics on every little thread, but broadly, getting back to this show, I like how Clyde has conducted himself through some really rocky changes, and I just wanted to give him the nod, give him the high five, and have him on to talk about not only navigating that terrain, but also some of the wild stuff that has been out there lately that is really being drowned out by mainstream political conspiracy talk. I think that's the best way to put what I'm trying to say. I mean, to quote Clyde in this show, he says point blank, it's always been the state versus you. And bam, put that on a goddamn t-shirt, because to me, that's fashionable in any season. We are the little guy trying to figure out what dark shit they're up to, what weapons are being used against us, and how we can curtail the damage. We're trying to look into those files they quarantine, and that involves a lot of speculation, but there is a purpose to it. So when you talk about that stuff, I think conspiracy has a real core of usefulness, and yes, an element of conspiratainment. I'm okay with being both. But if you look at the craziest THC episodes, they're usually followed up by something more practical or academic. Anyway. After the first hour today, in the Plus Show, we talked about even more practical things because Clyde has really had three bouts of cancer and has gone through the medical ringer, and we got into that. We talked about Clyde's journey to getting healthy and what he's learned along the way. A lot of it's diet advice. I think those reminders are good. Then we also talked about the opioid crisis and Big Pharma's pipeline to addiction because obviously, with Clyde's medical issues, he's been prescribed some drugs that really get close to that line that people really struggle with. So I thought that was important. I know uh, three, at least three guys who I graduated with who are dead now because they got hooked on some stuff that was given to them by a doctor. And then after the prescription was over, tried to fill that hole with other things. I mean, that is pretty par for the course these days. It's happening a lot. But then we went really deep into the biological transhumanist stuff and what's possible now from a technical standpoint and what the spiritual or esoteric implications could be, because there are some. And I think Clyde is really good at nailing that kind of stuff. I liked his term, the reverse cyber Pinocchio agenda, telling real boys to now become robots. I just think that's creative. You know, I like uh, wordplay and all that. So I had a great time. Big thanks to Clyde. I know it is not an easy thing to fit into your schedule when it is so full already. And also thanks to Clyde's producer, Ron Patton, who I've known for a long time, and Paranormal Magazine that also keeps it weird in the ways that I like. Also, like I said, transhumanist stuff comes up in the Plus Show quite a bit, and that is what Clyde's latest book releases on, Transhuman Substantiation, The Truth About AI and the Singularity. We didn't even really get to talk about that in the first hour, but I wanted to put it out here in the wrap-up 
that if you're interested in that topic, it is a really good read. And higher side news, the joint session this month will be on the 20th because of the holidays, 7 p.m. Pacific time. And the links will be up on Facebook, Twitter, and the Plus website a few hours in advance on the day, so you can be part of it live if you like. I'm sorry if you couldn't find the links last time. I'm telling you now, Facebook and Twitter, if all else fails. It's hard when our main method of communication is the podcast itself. It's hard to, on the fly, tell you about something, but that's what social media is for. That's where the information will be. Also, we have a few new t-shirt designs out, three of them, in fact, and I'm super happy with them. People have asked me for less aggressive designs and somewhat less cartoony designs, too, because that's an element of what you'll find on the HigherSideClothing.com. And some people have said, yeah, I'd like to support you, but I really just want a shirt that says the Higher Side Chats. And until recently, I really didn't have a lot of those kind of shirts. I was more concerned about the material or the topics being expressed through the art. You know, things like J.P. Morgan signing off on the Titanic sinking or the Knights Templar worshipping Baphomet. I get it. Abrasive stuff you might not want to wear on your radiant chest. So we did some simple, subtle stuff recently. A sort of new hipster THC logo, and then also a really cool pirate ship catching a wave with tentacles and UFOs, and it says that classic THC phrase, navigating the vast conspiracy, a phrase near and dear to my heart. And another one that I came up with is like an old school company logo for the Deep State Toy Company with the tagline, you only know what we show. And I think that's a lot of fun. It's got portals and Tesla coils and weird devices on it. All three are fun things that won't get you stopped in the grocery store, because who wants to deal with that? It's happened to me too many times. Hey, uh, can you explain what's on your shirt? Dude, I can't. I don't want to. I'm just trying to buy some oranges and some apples and get back to the bunker. Also, the grinders are back in stock, but I think I said that last week, so if you do have any herb grinding needs, I got you. All right. Well, hey, I love you guys. Please sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus and, you know, put the Higher Side Chats Plus on your Christmas list for someone else to get for you if it's something you want. And I know the price has gone up, but I'm always down for creative trades. If you have some sort of product or craft that you're working on and you'd like to trade for THC Plus, maybe we can find some kind of agreement. I'm not here to try to restrict access. I just want to make a living doing what I love and guard against the possibility that it might not last forever. I hope everybody gets that. And I hope you enjoyed the show. I will see you next time. Your move, transhumanist transgressors, observatory raiders, and space armadas heading our way. Your fucking move. I won't take it. No, I refuse. If it's all right, I'll keep my refuge. I've been scheming of bigger things and have to leave my old life behind. Got a transfer to the inner earth. I built a box, built a hole, got a neat elevator going under. And now you'll find me in the bunker. Bye.
It's a plunder. 